we would probably all agree that we live in a materialistic culture. Think of the media frenzy that surrounds so-called Black Friday or last month's Amazon Prime Day. We also would probably all agree that we have some disdain for someone who gets something for nothing because we value working hard for what we have. And we thank God for the talents to provide us with the ability to enjoy our life here on earth. But for some people, the pursuit of wealth and possessions seems to function as a kind of religion substitute. Both Old and New Testament writings have some wise things to say about money and possessions. While affirming that we live in a real world of commerce, they teach us that we should not make possessions into a God, that life is fragile and ultimately in God's hands, that we need to really sort out what's important and lasting before it's too late. Our readings today warn us to avoid the sin of greed, which is a form of idolatry. In scripture, there are many texts that underscore that having riches is not sinful. It's what we do with them that determines virtue or vice. Abraham, for example, was said to be highly favored by God and was blessed with great flocks and herds, a large family, and a great number of servants. In the gospel this morning, the rich young man with a bountiful harvest is shown to be isolated, oblivious to both God and his fellow human beings. He reveals his self-centeredness. Rather than consult those whose lives are intertwined with his, he asks himself, what shall I do? I do not have space. I shall tear down. I shall store. I shall say to myself. The focus of his reflection is my harvest my barns, my grain, myself. I think the impact of this parable would have more meaning to us if we understood that first century Jews did not operate within a system of capitalism. There was no expectation that all could keep getting richer. They considered all goods limited so that if one person acquired more, it necessarily meant that others went without. Hoarding for them was a clear sign of greed, the vice most destructive to community life. So this rich young man's solution is shocking. He will tear down his barns and build bigger ones where he will stockpile his goods for many years to come. This plan for stockpiling and spending for his own enjoyment is interrupted by God. You fool, comes the accusation. This very night you will die. Hence the critical question. All these things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? We see the clear answer in the gospel with the brothers who are arguing over their share of the inheritance. In the first reading we have that famous line, vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. What does he mean? That life is brief and that if we put our trust and effort in the things of this world, they will leave us empty. This is not a rejection of creation. The world is good and work is our portion of the participation in God's creative goodness. But we need to remember that this world is passing away, that our final destination is heaven. As both the reading from Ecclesiastes and the Gospel of Luke emphasize, there are few sadder sights than someone who puts all of his talents and energies in making a lot of money only to leave it to a lazy and wasteful heir. These texts remind us 
that we never know when death may come, that we cannot place our ultimate trust in money and material possessions because they are too fragile, they are temporary. In our life, we must not let material possessions become more important than fulfilling our commitment to God, ourselves, and other persons. This letter to the Colossians echoes this lesson, warning against what it calls earthly. St. Paul condemns wayward passions and impurity. He calls greed a form of idolatry, worship of a false god. But you ask, aren't these the things that make life fun? That's what the media tells us. Sitcoms, stand-up comedians, movies, worldwide pundits all ridicule the idea to exercise any type of self-restraint. Individual freedom is paramount. If it makes you feel good, just do it. St. Paul, on the other hand, tells us to put these inclinations to death. The epistle is not being a killjoy. He is trying to direct us to real happiness. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth. What is above? We are above. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Above is where happiness resides. And from there our glory comes not only after this life, but during it. It takes faith to recognize this. But with faith, this becomes common sense and very obvious to us. Who wants to choose fleeting pleasures and possessions in place of a treasure that never fades and joy that never ends? Teach us to number our days aright, the psalmist says, that we may gain wisdom of heart. None of us get out of this life alive. Everything on earth is temporary. Jesus is our priceless treasure. As we now prepare to receive him as our bread of life, may he help us to remain firm in our conviction that life with him is more fun than anything that tempter has to offer. Otherwise, we too may merit the name, you fool. <laughs>